You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Allie Love, how sick are you of doing press? I'm not. The, I'm not sick of it because I really <laughs> like the show, so I like talking about it. That's, that's really good. good. That's really good because it does seem like you've done about ten thousand interviews in the last month or so. Yeah, and that's not a that's not a press answer either. Like I really like talking about the show. In <laughs> fact, I thought that I would hate doing podcasts, and I love doing podcasts. Nice. Well, we're about to also love doing podcasts. We're about to ruin that for you right now. (laughs) Until now. Until now. Run the credits. An actor is saying his lines, and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. With the Whiskey A Go-Go t-shirt. It's just like, could you be any cooler? You're the coolest person. I'm a poser. (laughs) No, you're not. You're not a poser because we got to think so. We'll talk about the band. We got to talk about music. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. But you are so not a poser. You are you're the embodiment of cool and you back it up, I, I think. Thanks, Joe. I think you're really Joe cool, Joe was too. revealing to me before this that he just wished he were you. Yeah. Um, so just no, I just so you, that we know that that's the direction we're heading in. You could just get this shirt, and then you could be, that's it. you know, like a 60th of me. <laughs> because I own 60 <laughs> shirts. That's amazing. There it is. That's amazing. There it is. Um, I want to know, well, for, we could talk about how we all know each other, because I think it's cool that you, you did lay Miz with my wife, Alex Fink. Oh, yep. horrible so, person. Yeah, she's the a, worst. She's right? the worst. Man. You can um, only say that about someone who has loved unanimously by everyone. That's the that's only true. way that you can joke about that, is if like, someone is that special and loved. It's true. That's true. It's a million percent true. And then you and Daniel uh, were in the pie shop together. Yeah. We did do the waitress. I did carry her on my shoulders, quite literally. Truly. <laughs> did we get, and did we get to do I did, yes. We can together? start there. Not Pometer. We didn't ever uh, have to do it, but you rehearsed I, me no, through it. I rehearsed with you through it, and we did, I, I think I did Earl twice, maybe, maybe more than twice. No, you did it more than you. twice, because I feel like the first week, uh, you... Like, Ben was out or something. Yeah, he was having, like, back issues, I think, probably from carrying me. I doubt it. Got it. Well, that's, that's a great place to start, because yeah. I... Didn't I, at that point I didn't know who you were except that Joe told me that oh she's the best she's gonna be great like and then I met you and you were lovely and we we worked through the show together and then we got on stage and I was not prepared for the fucking <laughs> life force that is Allie Luff Joe life force when I yep. I can I could not believe <laughs> I start that scene in the second act. And I'm screaming my face off, and you come around the couch, and you kind of face off and like really look at each other for the first time, and she's scared shitless. And you see a lot of different variations of that. Like, yeah. girls know that they're supposed to be scared. I'm not as scary as Ben Thompson because I'm not a giant dude. <laughs> but Allie, just like in it, yeah, dropped in, <laughs> tears streaming down her face. Oh man! And the voice, Joseph. I the listen, voice. I know. And and every note. Did you? Was, 
perfect. Did you feel Every in that show. moment? Did you feel yeah. in that moment like you are being outacted? Like I am being outacted <laughs> by this person. <laughs> I tried not. I tried not to think about that. But I was having. Clearly having the moment of like wow, yeah, which was not part of the scene, right? Totally. Wow. I was in fact being outacted. Wow. Thank you. This is a. I'm gonna. Are you guys available next week to do another podcast? I just cancel all my therapy and I just do podcasts with you guys. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. We could talk about it every day. <laughs> yeah, Thank I love it. you. I. You know what? You. If I seem terrified, it's because I was because. I'm always terrified. Not always, but <laughs> yeah. no, I. Totally. You know, you were you. You did it like one of my, fr- I mean, the first time we did it together, I feel like it was like one of my first weeks. And to say that you're not as scary as Ben Thompson because you're not as towering as he is, I found you extremely scary. You had this like undercurrent, like underbelly uh, fizzing up, which I freaking loved. And mm. I found you very WT, white trash scary. And that to me, coming from Texas, is the scariest of them all. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, and I yep. freaking loved working with you and acting with you because you were also so dropped in and supportive. And that's what it is. Like, right? We, it's like right. a game of catch. Right. Absolutely. That's, that totally. Was really good, and you right? guys well, rehearse together? To well, yeah. Mm-hmm. The understudies do like most of the rehearsals. Well, at least in the beginning, kind of the first like couple days. And then, um, yeah. Yeah, and we rehearsed a, a lot joy. together. And, I mean, Mark Evans, luckily for me, he started right. kind of the same time. Or he, we did had the same opening performance, so we rehearsed a lot together as well But for that track. But, yeah, I feel like you were the majority of my... I mean, you and Brandon both, but yeah. you guys t- put me in the show, taught me everything. Yep. We did a lot of that. And I was very, very <laughs> grateful to have you both. But I want to do it again, do something else yeah. again with you soon. I know. Me too. Me too. Not that one, but another one. <laughs> Thank someday. you for saying those nice things. Someday soon. It's all true. It's all very true. Thank you. And now you're a big star and uh, just really excited to have you here. Joe, where should we start? Well, I think it's fun to talk about, like, I want to talk about heels and we can, we, because it's, it's about to happen. Anybody who follows you on Instagram knows that it is, like, so, so happening. Um, oh God! It's because I'm just like vomiting things on Instagram, which I hate. But it's, well, it's part of so the job, great. right? No, it's part of the Listen. job. It's so great. It's so yeah. great because honestly, like Alex and I were like, okay, we got to sign up for Stars. Like we have to get we have to get right. the Stars right. add-on on Hulu or whatever, right? Because like I want to watch this show, and also it's like Stephen Amell. I'm a huge Stephen Amell fan. I just think that he is like, is that how you say his name? Amell. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. Yeah. Okay, get, I'm gonna yeah. be really honest <laughs> great, with you guys. Great. Dope. I actually, Dope. I actually need to call him up because I've been saying Stephen Amell, okay. and then our showrunner and writer and executive producer has been calling him Stephen Amell, and so I'm starting to freak out. And I've been doing a lot of press lately, and so I've been kind of doing like one of those. So- I mean, and I've, obviously he's been playing my husband for the last year of my life, and so yeah. I've just been doing one of those solid like Stephen Amell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just blending emphasis, the two versions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Emphasis is sort of wherever. It's horrible. So no, I. No, that's uh, so good. That's so good. I, I need to like set a, a mental note. Siri, remind <laughs> me to text Stephen and ask him how he likes his last name pronounced. This Great. is brilliant. <laughs> Great. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, um Well, so. We're very excited about it, and it look the trailers look amazing. Can you just, just take us through this because I, 
you know, I would love the whole thing, like from the audition process, the, you know, and then we could talk about the show itself. But like, how did this come about for you? Well, okay, so it's a great story, actually. All right, so I was doing Waitress at the time, right? Yes. I was playing Jenna and Waitress. And my contract that I initially went into the show having was cut shorter than I had planned. And I found out about, gosh, what was it, like three weeks before I was out of the show. Yeah, and the morning of a put-in yeah, from a press release. It was It was pretty crazy. So I found out, like via the producer <laughs> calling me and, and telling <laughs> oh, me. Oh, they that, did call you. Okay. That, yes, they, they did call me. Um, okay, good. And I was, let me tell you first, the one really, the, one of the very, very redeeming things about this is the person I got to pass the torch to, Jordan Sparks, is the most incredible salt of the earth human being. I think you would probably attest to this. Just like, one of those people, first of all, when you see her in real life, you're like, holy shit, you're the prettiest human being I've ever seen. Like, you're yes. genetically so gifted. I don't even understand. I want to touch your <laughs> yes. face. And then that beauty is just uh, radiates because that is how she is in the inside. And I'm not just saying that. She, I actually just ran into her at the Respect, Respect premiere as we were both, like, doing our hair in the mirror, just staring at ourselves. And then she's like, Allison, Jordan. And we were so excited. Anyways... So that That's was really one of amazing. the greatest things that could have happened was that I got to pass the torch to Jordan, who is just salt of the earth, incredible human being. But I digress. So my contract was cut shorter than I had originally planned. And they kind of told me uh, it felt a bit dishonest. I went into it thinking it was a longer contract. I had another job on the line. I had another job opportunity and I chose to do waitress because I was like, well, A, I want to play this role so badly, B, but I only want to do it for this length of time. So I felt a little bit um, swindled. Is that a word? Swindled? Yeah, yeah. Swindled. 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 No sure Um, at the beginning. No, no sure. (laughs) Okay, but I'm adding that for effect. Yeah, swindled. I love it. Swindled. Um, (laughs) Anyways. This is all goes back to how everything happens for a reason, right? So in the moment yeah. when my contract was cut short, I was obviously super bummed. My ego was just like shot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was just, I was, I was devastated and I was reassured it has nothing to do with your work. We just, you know, we need to sell tickets. And meanwhile, I found out later Jordan had, was already set to come in. So this, it was very, it was handled, mm-hmm. I thought a bit bizarre, but, um, you know, I wasn't going to sell tickets, quote unquote. So, um, I would say shitty. Went, that sounds sort of, I mean, you could say bizarre. I would say shitty. it was, it was <laughs> odd, right? And so, but it, and it's easy after the fact for me, yeah, I could totally. come and like shit on the way that things were handled, but it's hard to do that then whenever I tell this next bit of the story. So it's mm. also like, you know, thank you. It's the same way, you know, when mm-hmm. someone cheats on you in a relationship and then the next relationship you're in, you meet your husband. You know, you're like, you could say that that was shitty, but is that shitty if it turns mm. out the way that it did, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, like thank that. you. Thank you, waitress. So I had my last show. Mike O'Malley, who was one of the co-writers, one of the co-book writers on Escape to Margaritaville, he co-wrote it with Greg Garcia. He texts me and he says, hey, how's it going? How's Waitress going? And I text him back and I'm like, oh, funny enough, I actually, um, and meanwhile, you have to keep in mind too, I had so many people 
that had already bought tickets for all the, you know, for mm. what was supposed to be the last few months of my run as waitress. Yeah, and totally. so I was like, mm. oh gosh, is he about to tell me that, you know, he got tickets because I have just another person to add to the list and tell them like, oh no, I'm just not, uh, I'm not uh, A-list enough. Um, <laughs> that cool. being said, he, he texts me and says, how's waitress going? And I tell him, Oh, funny enough, I actually just had my last show last night. Um, it was great. I loved playing the role. It, it was really, really wonderful. Um, might go back later. Who knows, you know? And he said, oh, okay, well, I actually am working on this project, and um, it's there's a part in it that I just keep thinking of you for. I would love for you to read it, and if it resonates with you, I'd love to put yourself on tape and audition for it. So I was like, okay, cool. So he sends me um, the first three episodes of this series. And within the first page, I immediately turned to my husband. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like this, her, this woman's entrance is so cool. Like the, the character's entrance, Stacy's entrance is, she walks into, uh, she's, we see someone weaving through the crowd, a beer in one hand, a, a Coke, for her son in the other hand, weaving a beer splashes upon her long legs. The camera rolls up to Stacy Spade, a Southern <laughs> Georgia peach, the only one cheering for the heel, which is the bad guy. And I was like, okay, who is this? Who's this girl? Um, well, I read the first script Sick. and immediately was obsessed with it. And as corny mm -hmm. as it sounds, I turned to Matthew again and I was like, this woman dwells inside of me like I know who this woman is I grew up in the south she is mm -hmm. so many women that I have like suppressed that I don't want to be and all the women I've inspired to be she's my mom and my grandmother my best friend and probably a bit of me and I was just obsessed with her so I wrote to Mike I was like um I would love to audition how you know what do I do so I put he had me put a couple scenes on tape. He was like, well, what scenes, like, we were still picking the audition scene, you know. This is very preliminary. I just wanted you, I, I want you to audition. Who, who are your reps? And, so the, and I had just gotten new reps, too, so I had, you know, kind of forward him that way as well. And so I had all three scripts, so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to... I'm just going to put all these scenes on tape. I'm just going to put the ones down. Like, obviously not these tiny, tiny ones, but I'm just going to put them down. I put the major audition scenes down. I sent them to Mike thinking as a friend, he would probably be like, okay, cool. Here's a few, here's a few like ideas or notes for you. And he wrote back and he was like, yeah, great. Uh, don't redo them. And I was like, Are you sure? Like, I, I kind of didn't think of like, you know, final product. I was really just like working with Matthew and, um, but I was off book. I felt really good about them. And so then a few months later, I had a screen test with five other women to play the role. So they flew me to LA, had a screen test, um, all of them with lots of credits. Um, all, all the ones that I, you know, I'm trying to like look at the names and you know, I've never been yeah. through like a screen test yeah. process before, which was really, really cool and bizarre you what I didn't know is that you had to like already negotiate your whole contract for three seasons mm -hmm. before you walk into one of these things Crazy. and so it's yeah I mean it's nuts so you're sitting there and then you're just like okay so I could I could walk out of here with the job of a lifetime or I could um 
need to call up that family I nanny because I'm not going back to waitress probably. <laughs> uh, so this is going well. <laughs> um, no, and... What a trip. So I had the screen test with five other women and then I didn't... I Contractually, I think they had to let me know within five days and they went five business days. They went all five business days. I didn't hear anything and it was a Sunday and my husband and my husband was had to go work his side hustle, which funny enough, he got through waitress. He started driving for the company that waitress used to drive the Jennas. So he was driving around Jordan Sparks and oh and Brian Cox and just all all the people. And he's like, you need to call me if you hear anything. And I'm like, it's Sunday. I'm not going to hear anything. He's like, just text me like red light or something. And um so sure enough, on a Sunday, I was out with Ryan Redman and my friend Keely Hutton and a Stephen Amell, Amell, Stephen Amell. Love he's it. gonna he's gonna be so pissed that I'm <laughs> fucking up his name. No, not really. Um, he calls me and tells me I got the gig. So that Whoa. is it was and from what I hear from all the producers is that the thing that makes me kind of go like oh, but also you know, is a testament to how warm that room was for Heels was, you know, all of those producers said that all of those women left feeling like they had it, which is a testament to how warm the room is, but also makes me go like, oh, that's, that's, you know, that feeling like when you think you have it and then you don't get it. And, but the warm, the room was just so warm and everybody was like rooting, you know, to find the right person that they had a bunch of rad women and some of them went and got other series regulars on a star show and you know other ones i'm sure are doing other badass things but i was just the fortunate one that it went my way this time so oh my god wow that's so i love those stories i absolutely love it and you were sitting with ryan you were you you were with friends when you got the call yeah so i was at um Gosh, where were we at? I think we were at Alfie's or something. Yeah. We were at some bar on 9th Avenue. And we were sitting and eating. I was with Keely and Ryan, both yeah. two women. I did escape to Margarita with. Yeah. Margarita Ryan with. Redman, friend of the pod. Yeah. We love her. And mm-hmm. Lady Olaf. Um, yep. So, yeah, we were... We were just sitting there, and, and Stephen's number popped up. Like, Stephen called me, and they're like, answer it. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to answer it. I don't, I, I can't, you know, maybe probably just enjoying my Sunday, if you know what I mean. And they're yeah. like, no, answer it, answer it. I was like, oh, I don't want to. And Ryan, like, pushed me out of the booth, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, hey, Allison, it's uh, Stephen. I just wanted to tell you that, um, how you doing? How, how's your how's your <laughs> weekend going? I'm like, it's good. You know, I'm just... <laughs> just sitting here waiting it's a waiting game for me you know I don't have the gig and he's like well I actually I wanted to call and tell you congratulations you know you you got the part and I was like well we'll see I I did feel like it went really well but you know who knows he's like no I'm calling I'm calling to tell you I asked permission to tell you and I was like well okay He's like, no, what? I really did. I just didn't believe him. Oh, my God. And he's like, no, I, I asked. I found out Mike texted me and was like, it's her. She got it. And I asked if I could call and tell you because I've never gotten to tell anyone this before. And so he and then I probably, you know, destroyed his eardrum with like a very loud squeal. Meanwhile, Ryan and Keely are video recording me through the mm-hmm. window, window of the restaurant. So it was pretty oh cool. I do have God. that video. I should post that. That's sweet. Yeah, you should post yeah. that. Yeah. Epic. Oh, my God. I love that. That is super epic. 
crazy, That's right? That's a super epic story. I, I'm not That's sure super I make it out of a screen test alive. I don't know. <laughs> it's, this is, sounds, this is the, these are the parts of yeah. my life where I'm like, maybe I don't have what it takes. Well, you know. I'm just thinking about, like, holy shit, how hard that must have been. Yeah. But we do it for musicals all the time. Like, we've been through those experiences. But not yeah. with this whole negotiating the fucking contract I know, thing. Not this whole, like, here's three years of my life and the number dollar amount that's attached to it and, like, holy cow. Like, that to me... That's rare. That's some pressure, man. It's a, it is it is, but I feel like that's where theater people thrive in a way. Mm. Like that I, that's one thing I yeah. miss about auditioning in person. Like, sure, the self tapes are super convenient, especially because Matthew and I are just little nomads that are always wandering around. But I miss like you thrive in that environment. Like I miss being in the room and being able to collaborate and being able to use my sense of humor if I feel awkward and. Um, but for sure, I mean, I was definitely very, I felt very sweaty and I was wearing a tank top that was very cleavy because I was like, well, this is the character. And so I couldn't even Mm -hmm. use my panty liner trick, which is like in some auditions, I'll like put panty liners under my armpits to try to block the sweat because mm-hmm. I'm nice. a monster. Um, but, uh, so there's a trick for you, Dan, if you're ever, you know, not a pit sweater. Yeah, me either. Not a, I, I'm not a pit sweater. I, I, I'm. I think I'm, I'm the not. sweatiest person on earth. I think that I am the sweatiest person on the planet. And during the early shows of, of Frozen, I said to Patty Murin, like, I'm so sorry, I'm so fucking sweaty. And she was just like, Well, actually, my cousin, my my husband, Colin, is even sweatier than you are, so don't worry <laughs> about it. And like, I got away with it. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, thank God. But I am. I am a dripping mess. I'm gonna steal that idea. <laughs> yeah, it works. I mean, um, I, I just sweat even when I'm cold. Like, if I'm getting nervous, I get really cold, and then I just start to sweat. And, yeah. right. Also, right above out. right above the lip. I'm sure Dan can tell you that mm. from doing Waitress. Mm-hmm. I could just get, like, this really, really adorable <laughs> sweat mustache that is just mm-hmm. very present. And, like, awesome for a screen <laughs> test. Like, that's what they want to see. Yeah. That's why Absolutely. you got it was the sweat mustache, I think. Probably. Definitely. You know, she's not afraid to just... Really be in that oh Atlanta humidity. <laughs> Amazing. So, Allie, you've done so much awesome shit on stage. Mamma Mia, Ghost, you did the Wicked Tour, Matilda, Les Mis, Margaritaville, and Waitress. And then here you are in this television show, which wasn't your first, right? You obviously filmed a couple episodes of New Amsterdam before that. But what's that transition been like? How how has that been? It's it's been super fun. I mean, I've definitely I would be lying if I said I didn't feel like I had a little bit of survivor's guilt the last year and a half because sure. I have been making my only means of income for, for the last ten years have been theater and has been theater and just you know as fate would have it, I got lucky and got to film a TV show during a pandemic and we were one of the very first if not the first shows to start filming Mm. in during the pandemic so that was kind of crazy um but the transition has been really really cool I feel like there's nothing that can set you up for any kind of storytelling world that other than theater like nothing can set you up better than theater because with theater, we just, we know how to run a marathon. We know how to, that requires so much self-discipline. And one thing I've learned is that doing TV is it just requires a different 
kind of self-discipline. I mean, one thing I have, it took me a second to adjust, I would say, because I was really, um, and maybe it was also like insecurity and, and just a way that I could like protect the fact that I was feeling like a major imposter syndrome, but I was missing theater because I was missing the rehearsal process so much. I mean, right. rehearsals yeah. are my favorite part of the process and I loved the collaboration it takes and with TV it takes a different kind of self-discipline in the fact that like you are rehearsing it at home and you know I'm very lucky that I'm married to an actor so I can you know rehearse things mm -hmm. at nauseam with him however he's very different than he plays a very different Jack than you know Stephen right. plays right. so it takes a lot of self-discipline in the work that you put into it at home because then you just got to come to set and just kind of hope that everybody's on the same page and you know you'll say the right. lines once but there's no epic rehearsal process which I really really missed especially I mean yeah. little things like getting used to the fact of any kind of intimacy scene which I'm kind of one of those people that like if I'm playing opposite someone and they're comfortable, and from the get-go, we can establish, like, hey, I trust you, you trust me, let's, we're comfortable, then if, if we feel, let's let things unfold organically. If there's not a kiss written mm -hmm. in, and we are close, and we kiss, then, like, yeah, or if I'm going to walk by you in the kitchen, I'm probably going to smack your butt like I smack my husband's butt, or vice versa. So, but with TV, it is very much like you don't practice any, any intimacy until, right. like, action, so, whereas with theater, people were used to, like, the first time you rehearse the scene, you do the scene. If there's a kiss in it, you do a kiss, you know, you kiss. Right, so right, right. Also, just kind of developing that, you know, yeah, the, intimacy. The comfort, yeah. Yeah, it was really different, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. It's, it, it's, I've always felt like, like, the takes, like, the actual coverage, the actual performance on camera is the rehearsal. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're filming the rehearsal. The rehearsal is the final product. It's it's like yeah. you, you're finding it together as you go. And so you have to kind of like get into that mindset that like it's not supposed to be perfect. and For sure. Which is scary, though, when you feel like you have imposter syndrome. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. But then, then there's also things that like, make like theater prepares you more than anything and makes you feel super prepared and you're like okay well then when it comes to doing you know seven takes in a row of an emotional scene you're like yeah i got this that you know right. a lot of right, people right, in the right. tv world would be like right. save it for the close-up and yeah I'm like huh i don't get that like i'm gonna yeah. give you full out when it's not on my coverage i'm gonna you know like not that you know people but not everyone does do that, which is kind of an interesting right. thing. Luckily, in heels, it's pretty across the board. People are pretty good about that. But that is something that, you know, then you feel super prepared for. And people are like, right. whoa, you did that seven times. And you're like, huh, not eight times a week, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. It's like, <laughs> right. you want an eight? I can do for it eight, six too. months. Yeah, yeah. You're so, not going to believe it, but I get my weekends off now. So, like, I'll do your seven yeah. takes, you know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. And holidays? I've never yeah. had, I, we had like two, two or three months off for the holidays. I was like, what is this? And weekends? This is crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Might be into this. What an idea. What an idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
That's just so crazy. Um, well, we love. Th- so when does it come out? When? When? Just so we, so the the good people at home know. It came out, Joe. It is prem- it first episode premiered? Yeah, it premiered Sorry. Sunday. It's okay. It's in the notes, Joe. Dan. It's in the Dan. notes. Sorry, Dan. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's he gets. We can't. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Offended. We're trying to be a real podcast. I know she's gonna be offended. I, I, she's gonna go tell Stephen Amel not to Amel Amel <laughs> Emil. She's gonna go tell him not to be on the show oh, now, Joe. Man. Okay. I'm gonna get so much shit for mispronouncing his last name. <laughs> it's so. just some people say Stephen Amel and some people say Stephen Amel. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's okay. Jeez. That's all right. We won't tell them. All right. Well, it's well, our- you can catch Heels now, you, premiered yeah. on August fifteenth on Stars. Yeah. So it's the um, I think it's the Sopranos time slot is what they call it. So Ooh. it is. I know. It just, it just sounds so cool. That's why I that's, like saying that. That's sick. Um, but it is nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I think it's Sunday also yes yeah, Sunday night. So it's nine p.m. and eight p.m. Central Time. So I think that's also 9 p.m. Then all, then it comes on at 9 p.m. in Pacific. L.A. as well. Yeah, sorry, Pacific time. That's the word. Those yeah. are the words. Um, and what is it? So then, the show, it, it seems to be about, like, you know, it's about, like, amateur wrestling and about human beings and their relationships sort of in this kind of crazy world. But, I mean, what is your, can you give us, like, just a little a little more about the world? Like, what is it? Yeah, what's so. The show about? I've gotten really good at the elevator pitch. Are you ready? Yeah. So Heels is a Southern family drama that is centered around two brothers that are at odds to keep their late father's legacy alive in the world of professional indie wrestling in a small town. So I Mm -hmm. play the, it's kind of like Friday Night Lights and the fact that you don't have to know anything about football to like the show because it is such a standalone, Mm -hmm. you know, family drama. And that's kind of what we keep getting compared to is Friday Night Lights and the fact that it is this town is their entire world is this sport of wrestling. So I play the youngest matriarch of the Spade family and I'm married to Stephen, who plays Jack Spade, who's the oldest brother. And my character, Stacy Spade, is kind of at this we meet her at this what I like to call like the cross a bit of a crossroads in her life because she's 10 years into her marriage. So she's not like this newlywed couple. She's got mm-hmm. a eight year old son and she's a stay at home mom at the moment. So she's, which is what she wanted to be. But now her son is at school, you know, and she's mm. done all the laundry and she did all these renovations that she saw on HGTV and thought she could do herself and could do herself. And now she's just kind of like, feels like she's lost a bit of who she was and who she wants to be and just kind of feels like Mm. she's losing a bit of her own voice and so we meet her there and then you know throughout the season we get to see what she does with those challenges and what the thing that drew me to the character was that I love getting to play wives and mothers because I feel like they are the unsung heroes of the world (laughs) in a lot of ways and All the women in this series are very much the heroes without capes. They're the reason that they're the reason that this town functions, the reason that the man functions in the household and mm-hmm. and you just kind of see how they navigate that, which is and and the writing is so relatable. That's the other thing I love about it is the marriage is so relatable. It's not this marriage that you're like, oh, they fight all the time, or oh, okay, well, that's not realistic. They would definitely bicker about that. There's this accountability, which, as someone who has been married for six years now, feels like that is the strongest thing 
that you need in a marriage is this accountability yeah. for your partner. Mm-hmm. So cool. Oh my gosh. That's great. That's a really good pitch. That's a good, that's a great elevator pitch. I'm in. I'm in. Like Thanks. for the show, my for credit you. card stars here. I'm in. I added to it. I added to it, you know, just now. Like I didn't do word for oh. word. You got to change it up a little bit. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. And I also exactly. found out that like a stars membership is only $8 or something like that. So. Yeah. I just recently found that out. I haven't used that as a pitch yet, so you guys can try that out on you. Eight dollars, so two, two exactly. lattes, oat milk lattes. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Um, well, we we love all of the the TV stuff, and obviously we're a podcast about musicals. But like, we'd love to talk about to do another like sort of deep dive into what something on stage, something something theatrical that you know you've you've done so many things is there a story or a process that pops out to you as incredibly memorable or you know i mean waitress was really memorable for the fact that how it ended and and navigating that and my own ego through that and it being this dream role since the moment i saw it since the Mm. moment i saw jesse Mueller do it and was so blown away by her So that was definitely a memorable experience, but, and like, they're all memorable for different reasons, right? I could say that Scandalous, which you didn't name, you know, Scandalous. Oh yeah, I Scandalous. Well, the only reason I bring it up is because that was memorable for the fact that it was, it was, I was part of a giant flop, which is very memorable in its own right. And I understudied Carolee Carmelo at 22. So that was something that was (laughs) super odd and memorable. Um, oh my god! I, I remember that it was like it was the the marquee was up and couple the marquee was down. The marquee was down. I mean, I was in three inch character heels. If that tells you anything of how that's gonna go, it's not gonna go well. Not gonna not no good. You, no, that's that's not your vibe. You don't want to see me in character heels. Is that what they call them? Character <laughs> Leducas, heels. Leducas. Like Leducas, yeah. Leduc's? Like, there's no way that Leduc is going to be naming a shoe after me. (laughs) I don't know. Like, let's just put that out there. I don't know. There's probably going to be an Alley Love heel. Okay. Oh, It's called, like, The Trip or something, because I trip on the show. (laughs) Um, But, and, and, I mean, probably Escape to Margaritaville, because it was my first originating role and getting to do that in La Jolla, and work with these awesome writers that it was their first time writing a musical and they're hilarious TV writers that are constantly like, okay, so that process went something like this, right? You had your show and you were in previews. They'd come up to you and they're like, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here a second. I got this joke. I want you to try this joke tonight. And you're like, tonight? Mike, Greg, what are you talking? Okay, come here, come here, come here. I got a bit, I got a bit. All right, so no, don't tell Chris Ashley. Okay, so tonight, instead, instead of these lines, say these. You're like, okay, all right, all right, I'll do it. Do it. You know, might might land, might be great, might not get a laugh. And you would get so connected to certain jokes, and you're like, I love this joke, but if you didn't get the laugh on the first night, they were like, nope, it's not funny. It's not funny, not even enough people laugh, because they would be in the audience listening, and you're like, no, give me give me one more shot. And they're like, I just didn't just say it funny. right. I need to emphasize a different exactly. word. Exactly, they're like, I just, I just need to do it once. And they're like, nope, it's cut. New joke, do this. And you're like, oh, gosh. So that was a pretty... I mean, I a lot of people hate that part of the new musical process. I freaking love that part of the process of like yeah. the script changing every night, and yep. that's what I loved about understudy. When I would understudy too, I enjoyed the fact of like coming in and. 
the spontaneity and having to save the day and no time to be nervous. You just got to like be present and make that shit And the shit other happen. person has to listen to you because all of their patterns won't work. That's yes. what I love about it. Yeah. Because yeah. I go in there and this Jenna's trying to steer the ship and I'm like, that's, we can't. You got to, we got to do the scene together. Yeah. You know? I agree. And sometimes it's hard. Like I think Dr. Palmer was a really hard role to not do all the time. And like to just jump up and do it because it's so bit heavy. You have to right. like really like have the bits in your body. But everything else, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's like we're doing live theater. You know, yeah. it's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be new every night. A Let's bit will there. always work it. if you listen. That's my main yeah. mm-hmm. motto. Is I'm like I get the question a lot. You know, what do you do when you're really nervous? And I'm like, well, first of all, I used to never get nervous until I mean, that's not true. I would get, you know, like butterflies. But it wasn't until I was six months into my run of playing Alphaba and Wicked that I developed crippling stage fright. I mean, to the point where there was a night where I was in Chicago, which they also say that theater is super haunted. So Uh. I was in Chicago and I just kept going to the white room during Wizard and I. Like, I mean, lyrics, I just would, and then they would come out of me and I would sing them. But to the point where I walked off stage and I just started sobbing. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go on. I I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And they're like, you're going to be fine. Just do it. And I was like, oh, God. And when you're doing something like Wicked or, or a tour in general, you know, this is not a, a jab into the company, but it's very easy when you're doing a tour, any long running show that, you know, as we were just saying, Dan, you get stuck in the way that you do things. So yeah. sometimes you don't necessarily feel like the person you are looking at the person you're on stage with and you can be like, I'm really scared. You have to help me. And then be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Until I actually ended up taking, I was so terrified. I just, was stage fright. I just like, I don't want to do, it's just not enjoyable. I'm going to the white room. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm screwed. So I took two shows off, took two shows off. And when the, from eight o'clock when the show would start, I would swim laps until the show would end. I would just swim laps in my hotel. I took two, what I called mental health days and I would just swim laps. And I went to like a botanical garden and then I, um, (laughs) came back and I did the show, but what I tell people, because now I do have that stage fright, is just, it all comes back to listen. Just try to listen. You have to try to quiet your mind and yeah. listen. Just listen, 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 which is hard when you're freaking out. But Oh, my gosh. That's really interesting. I have I developed so many stage fright yeah. late, too. Have you ever had that, Joe? No, but, uh, well, yes, uh, obviously, but, but. I've, I've, the white room on stage, 100%. The white room on a Broadway stage, the white room where, like, somebody's looking at you. Like, it's this absolute <sighs> crippling and horrible. But but we've heard this. We've had a couple of alphabas in the show who said the same thing, that there's something about that role in particular that because I think it's, you know, for many, many reasons, it's such a such a marathon and such a so difficult that I don't uh, – did you equate it to the the role itself what was that like the pressure that was on you at the time or so what I ended up equating it with was it's the first time I had done a long running show in a principal track so I had done like a year on Mamma Mia and I had done a you know 
quite a bit of time in Ghost, I suppose. I mean, it didn't run that long, but I had done long-running shows before, but it was the first time I had done a principal role for that long. It was Mm. six months into a year contract. So I think it was the what I've come to figure out was because now it starts happening to me every six months. Like when I hit a six month marker into a show or, you know, four to six month marker, I start to get really nervous. I start to, before I go online, before I go on stage, I'll start, you know, going through those lyrics, which is the worst, right? You should never do that yeah. right before you go on stage. Oh, never. And then never. you're like, it's like cramming for the test. <sighs> and then, and, and, and you know the test. Right, clearly. right. You yeah. face the test You've multiple done the times. You've te- the test 250 times you at this point. Teach the test. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. And then, but then you develop that habit and you're like, well, I have to do it. I do this every, sh- every show. If I don't do this ritual, like, oh If you God. don't do it, then you're never going to, oh man. Just never come up with a ritual. Just never yep. do it. So um, what I've mm, equated it yeah. to is that I have this, it's not my theory. It's a couple of friends that we gathered this theory is that when you're doing something for a super long time, you're, all the information moves from the front part of your brain of, you know, to your muscle memory, right? I don't even know if the front part of your brain is not muscle memory, but let's pretend it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ba- it moves to, like, the back of your brain, this muscle memory. So then when you start thinking about it and you have that thought of, like, oh, I wonder if I know this, and then you try to think about it, it's physically not located in that that little brain box. It is in the It's in the muscle memory. So unless you turn that off, you're not going to be able to find it because it's not located there anymore. It's in the muscle memory. But it's also, that's my theory at least. And so you got to still obviously Joe, we need to call that neurologist because, oh, yeah, there's something here. Yes, definitely. There's something there. This is so true. I think you're 100% right. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, yeah, it makes complete sense. That's because, like, you'd never, ever, ever think about the lyrics until you mess them up and then you consciously you're thinking about them and then you don't know them that's exactly right it's isn't that horrible yeah it's just horrible and then oh it's just it's horrible and so i one thing i found with wait one thing that was great with waitress i wasn't there six months i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> so never got to that part instead Again. i was just yeah. you know nervous and and that you can always use the energy and luckily with alphaba you could use the energy and i found that happened with Miss Honey and Matilda too, but again, she's supposed to be kind of this neurotic, frantic, you know, right. bubbling neuroses of a nervous woman, you know, in the shell of a comforting teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's that's really wild. Um, yeah, I think we need to get a neurologist on the show and get to the bottom of this. Do you guys want me to just be your neurologist? Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll be I, your we, you'll be we'll be your psychologist slash like okay. you know whatever yep. we were doing and at the beginning. You can you can cut my brain open and see what's <laughs> going on. Cool <laughs> that and, and we'll. Sh- I've had a couple concussions, so we'll swindle yeah. the masses. <laughs> we can swindle them all. I wanted to ask a question about uh, Margaritaville because I had so much freaking fun in the audience of that show, and I think you know gone, you know it obviously closed closed early in the whole thing, but but the connection. Just the, the, to hit home the connection between the writer that, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that clear cut all the time, you know, but like the writer of that show called you and said, hey, would you send in a tape for Heels? And now this show is maybe going to, who knows? It's huge for you. It's going to be great. But like the, the, the sort of 
there, I don't know where the question is here, but like the idea yeah, that like I'm, I'm searching. There's for no it. question. There's no question. <laughs> I just want to like highlight. I want to highlight that that connection because you don't know. You take a job, you do a thing, you don't know what's going to happen, and then yeah, yeah. that well, happened. and also I mean. I read the Escape to Margaritaville review. I don't know if you read that review, Ali. If I were in that show, it would have been very hard for me to keep going to work. It was They were not very nice to you. In fact, they went out of their way to be awful so to you. So bullshit. And now it here you bullshit. are. This is another example of, like, it all works out, you know? It, it, you just trust it and honor the relationships and, and make it about people, and you never know what can happen. Yeah, yeah it I all works out. I love your story. It's in... That's something too. It's like Mike O'Malley is become so much more than a coworker to me too. Now, I mean, he is. I'm so close with his wife and his kids, and he's like he is family to me. And he's someone, you know, he's an East Coaster. He's like a New Hampshire guy. That's like very, you know. So he and Matthew get along great. Him being from New Jersey, they always busting each other's balls. You know, talking about Yankees, <laughs> Red, Sox and and Yankees. Red Sox, and which Yankees beat the Red Sox twice yesterday. I'm just gonna put that out there, Michael okay, Malley. But um, okay. so you know, they he's Go just Sox, Mike. Yeah, oh yeah, he's, God, yeah, how just, dare. He's a Boston guy. <laughs> but he, we became super, super close. And, you know, that was one thing. He is a family guy at his core, be, you know. And so he was, New York was really hard for him to do this musical that was in this world that he was not in and being away from his family. And then, and, and it's important to like the people that you work with because then yeah. same with filming during a pandemic. You know, we were stuck in Atlanta filming. His family was in los angeles and you filming during mm-hmm. a pandemic is a whole new thing because it's not like you can just fly home to see your family and your friends on the day off like you normally right can. so you are you right. know surrounded by these people and i just he's also the just to brag on him for a second he is the biggest cheerleader you could ever have in a room oh i mean to the point where like we always joke as a, as a cast in heels is we'd finish a take and then you would get the shit scared out of you because all of a sudden you'd hear like, all right, all right, just like the biggest <laughs> claps. Just like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm, t- just, oh my God, come here, come here. It gives you a hug. He's, because he's an actor and he knows what it's like to, yep. you know, have an ego and to have for better or for worse. And right, to yeah, right. that encouragement and that's what makes him such a good writer and that's what makes him such a good producer and that's what makes him such a good showrunner and and then the icing on the cake is in this show you know he's showrunning it he's writing he's on the writing staff and he's writing a lot and he's also an executive producer and then and then he comes in and he does his scenes and it's just like it's so mind-blowing to watch him work you'll and he his character is really introduced in episode two. You see a little bit of an episode one, but he comes in and then you watch him. And Matthew and I, the first time we watched the episode, we were just like, oh, okay. And that's how you act. And that is how you do it. Like, it's just a freaking masterclass. And he's just constantly about the work. Yeah. But other than that, you know, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's one of the greatest character, uh, you know, one of the greatest character actors Ever, I mean, and like if you look, you know, if you guys, if listeners don't know who Michael Malley is, that you you see this guy's face and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, oh, oh he's yeah. that guy that from that thing. Oh yeah, that fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly. I was just watching Parks and Rec. It's my fa- right. my favorite show, like my favorite, like sort of like um, you know, warm blanket before bed during a pandemic show. And yeah. like the other night, like there he is, like like he's the shitty guy who like doesn't sell them the vans. It's like there's Mike O'Malley again. It's like anyway. Yep. So. I didn't even know that. I need to yeah. now. I need to watch that. I yeah. got to my brother because I know he watches that. Yeah, um, that's so cool. That's so cool. Oh my gosh! Well, Ali, we're getting to the end. We swear we'll we'll let you go eventually, but we have a few, you know a few more questions that we we want to talk about. We talked about. We always ask people what the greatest challenge was and what the, what the greatest challenge in your career has been. And it sounds like I mean we covered a lot of stuff in waitress with the waitress story. But is there anything else that you find particularly shitty and <laughs> challenging about our ridiculous <laughs> job? You know. <sighs> Uh, you know, other than, yeah, waitress was something that was definitely a challenge at the time. But I think another thing is, is since we touched on reviews a little bit. So I am someone I don't read reviews. When it yeah. comes to theater, right. I'm like, not. I just can't. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm like one of those people, like, if you believe the good, you got to believe the bad. So I don't really, right. I don't, like, I don't, I don't want to go down that road. But inevitably, you get to see some of them in you. So... One thing about Margaritaville was that it was, it definitely, even if you don't read the reviews, they come into the theater somehow. And mm-hmm. even people with, know. people know. And even with Heels, yeah. for instance, I, it was the first time I actually did read reviews. And, and then I kind of, I justified it because I was like, well, my performance is done. So I can, right. and, and I guess in TV world, it's very different in theater. You at least try to like, you're not going to, you know, that some people don't, so you're not going to send it on the text train for text chain for heels. It's just like people send it and you're like, ah, okay guys, don't really, not everyone reads everybody, I guess in TV reads them. That That's a generalization. But mm. so then you read mm. them and, for TV, it's like, well, the work is already done. I kind of purposely right. don't read them in theater because I don't want to read them and then have that in my head because I right. do struggle with stage fright and, right. and nerves and ADD brain. Then I'm like, I can't be thinking about that and then it could change my performance. Or Totally, right. Same way I don't like even knowing when people are in an audience. But mm-hmm. I think that I think that, I think that reviews are tricky because I think that a lot of times these people who are writing their reviews... They could be, uh, I've learned that not all of them are even coming from a theater world or a theater background. Right. They're like, you know, we're in sports journalism and this, and then they, the opening in the mm-hmm. paper was to write theater reviews. So they're going to do that. And I just, part of me is like, what if, what if theater reviews were like just another part of the collaboration? What if these theater critics were people that want shows to succeed and want people to succeed and just want to be another part of the collaborative process. And instead of tearing things to shred, and of course, we've all seen things that we're like not a fan of or that we think are really bad or we, you know, but there's kind of this like judgment on it that I think that what if we like turn that judgment into like this collaborative thing and it was all part of the process of a way to make something better or... I don't know, more creative in the end. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. makes complete sense. Wouldn't that be cool? I have a thought on that. I love that so much. I have been part of a process where the reviewer of the last show that I did, the show, we all knew that the show needed a lot of work. And the reviewer was aware of that too, but ultimately the reviewer was excited about the unique 
perspective of the story and the characters on stage being something that we need to push forward. So the review was kind. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. That, that was not the case for Margaritaville where you had established theater critics from large papers coming in and saying, we don't want this to succeed because that's not the kind of theater we want to exist. And that's the problem. Like we need more voices reviewing at bigger institutions who can speak to different things, right? Well, and it's, of- yeah, and it's interesting because I also feel like, uh, look, I live in New York, y'all live in New York. There is a social elitist at, right. coming from some, coming not from New York and having a husband that's from New Jersey and spending time in LA there and uh, looking at the world that we're in today. Everything is so polarized. Everything is so politicized. And there is a sense of social elitism is that a word? Social elitism, right? Social elitism that I think comes with New York theater and Broadway. And I think that the thing that bummed me out about Escape to Margaritaville, like I get it. It is not, it was not everyone's cup of tea, but when it feels like it's judged, not based on when, when it feels like it's judged before you're walking in and Mm. and watching it, that, that is disappointing to me. What makes it yeah. not disappointing was I don't think we ever ended a show without people on their feet smiling. And it is hands down more than any show that I've ever been in doing press for Heels. It is the show that people are like, oh, my gosh, I saw Margaritaville. I'm a huge fan. I mean, pe- fans that are like, you know, probably Green Arrow fans or it's just Arrow, Arrow fans and Viking fans. And then there's like some Margaritaville fans. Yeah. Yes, because because it it should not be viewed under the same lens as like the public theater fucking Shakespeare thing, whatever. Like it was theater for people who it it could have been a great gateway for people to who maybe weren't huge fans of musical theater. But we're just total Jimmy Buffett fanatics to like come to New York and be like, wait, what's this thing? Oh, wait a minute. It's playing in the lobby of my hotel. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just going to go check it out. And right. now, next thing you know, they are buying tickets to Waitress. I mean, that's the good, you know. And so we can all be cynical right. if we want to. But I just, that was one of the things that I hated about that review, Dan, too. Is just like, yeah. what the, f- like, what the fuck are we doing? Why do we have to be nasty? And that, know. and that truly did happen a lot. I yeah. don't know how many people, and we would remind each other in the cast of that. I don't know how many people at the stage door we heard that said, this is my first musical I've ever seen. This is my first Broadway show I've ever seen. I I can't wait to see more musicals. We're going to go, we just bought tickets now. We're going to go see, you know, blah, blah, blah. And another crazy fun fact that I forgot, Michael Waldron, the creator of Heels, who created Heels back in like, I don't know, 2007, I think he started scribbling things down on a napkin. He saw Margaritaville. He didn't know Mike O'Malley at the time. He didn't know anybody. He just came to see Margaritaville because he was a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. And then it wasn't until after my screen test, he texted me and he was like, I saw you in Margaritaville. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Isn't that wild? That's great. You never know. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. My eyes twitching. I hate that. I think it means you're dehydrated. Drink your water. I think I need a Is there a... Oh, there you go. Is there a, a book or a resource that you found invaluable? Okay, this is going to sound really, really corny and cheesy, but ready. it's uh, not so much a book. It's more of a resource, and that resource is P. 
people watching and just surrounding myself oh. amongst people of all different kinds and all different places and traveling like that to me is my greatest resource i know that sounds really cheesy and corny but not at all and any book just like reading and like submersing yourself in an imagine your imagination but i found like the when i stopped just hanging out with theater people or actors and i stopped having this preconceived notion of who these people in small towns might be or you know, suppressing, like, these people I went to school with that I was like, well, I'm going to New York City and I'm going to, you know, and I started, like, leaning into my roots, so to speak, and, like, who I was, like, who Allison Luff was versus who these other people were that I loved in the community that I was like, oh, I like what they're doing. They seem cool. I'm going to be them. I'm like, well, that was kind of this moment I felt this shift where I was like, I got to keep doing that because nobody's going to do Allie Luff better than I'm going to do her. And I'm not going to do awesome. them better than them. So my main, like, resource, other than my husband, because he's a very well-read individual, um, <laughs> is is just people in general and, like, using... Because I didn't go to school, so I kind of learned... I didn't learn technique, so to speak, and I didn't, I didn't grow up going, like to class and like learning these different styles of theater and that's why I love talking about it with other actors even though I feel a little stupid sometimes and then I realize oh it doesn't matter we're all like doing the same thing but I think because I didn't go to school I didn't I've never had that kind of like study brain I've always been more of a street smart or a you know learn Mm -hmm. on the job learner than Mm -hmm. a, a bookie yeah that's great. That's really good advice, I think, too, because a lot of, um, you know, younger people and myself included, when we're trying to like develop characters, I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of like, like Leonardo DiCaprio in Blood Diamond plus, this is wh- where am I going with um, this? I don't know. Plus, uh, <laughs> Dax Shepard in on. Without a Paddle, like that's <laughs> totally what this character is. It's like, I don't know, that was a terrible example, but like you start basing characters based on, you know theater actors or characters and things it's like no just go find real human beings yeah yeah base your characters off of real human beings yeah yeah you know when when bob cracker started showing us the um like reality tv like cop shows in class and was like look at this girl getting arrested right now look at that behavior she was like fixing her hair and doing all these weird things that you would never do if you were playing that scene yeah it's all That's about stripping stuff. the ego, right? It's that yeah, is yeah. the it's the goal. It's I it's I think it's a constant practice. You gotta strip away that ego. You gotta just be like, I don't care how I look, I care how I'm making mm-hmm. you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, what's the most influential musical in your life? Can be something you've done, but certainly doesn't have to be. I think the most influential musical in my life is Parade. So I love that musical so much. So Um, good. That's probably a dream role. I would love to play Lucille. Absolutely. Um, It's a comedy. No. (laughs) Right? Comedy? Uh, (laughs) If you haven't told, I really love dramas. (laughs) Yeah. I love heartache. Um, That show was super influential to me because I did do it as a kid. I did the Houston premiere of it, and um, it was very very traumatic in my personal life at that time because I had a um, a friend that 
a, a neighborhood friend that ended up living with us for a short time who um whose father passed away very similarly to Leo Frank and so I was doing that sh- not to get super heavy at, in this but no, so yeah. I was doing that and meanwhile I was remembering that from home and like why this friend this childhood friend was like living with us and um and watching him process all that trauma of like losing a father to mental illness and in our neighborhood and then I would like go to this theater and do this show at night and doing parade I don't know for other people who have done the show but it it was so moving and maybe I'm biased but our I think we had a really it, it was a really really great production at the time like the guy playing Leo and the woman playing Lucille were married and I think they were going Mm. through a divorce at the time or something like they were going through real shit and everybody was just kind of coming to this theater and like doing that I guess probably this cathartic process Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. every there were there were multiple nights a week that the audience would give a standing ovation it's this very small little professional theater in Houston. I think it sat probably 200 people. Really small, like little black box. And they'd give us any ovation. We would leave. We would go to our dressing rooms. We would be half undressed, and they would still be on their feet. And we would have to, like, come back out wow. and bow. And I was probably, gosh, I was probably 13 or 14. Or I, I was 14 when I did that show. And I just remember feeling, like, so... Um, privileged and like honored to to get to tell that story and I felt like it was very sacred and I felt like this extreme responsibility this like profound responsibility as a 14 year old to tell this story and also kind of come at it feeling like I've experienced life even though it was through my friend or you know and so that was probably one of the most impactful um yeah. Moments of theater for me and my family. I mean, everyone that came was very, I mean, it's a very impactful show. So, yeah. That's, inc- that's incredible. It's an incredible yeah. show. And for anybody who doesn't know it, like, spend some time with that cast album. Oh, um, so yeah, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, yeah, that's so cool. Um, so, I swear now, I said this like 20 minutes ago, but I swear to God, we are getting to the end. I'm long-winded. It's me. No, it's podcast. No. Keep talking. And no. we're friends. And we're yeah, all friends. I know. So I just, like, I don't want to take up, like, I get to this point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we've been talking to these busy people for an hour. Like, you know, I don't want to take busy. up any more time. I'm in my childhood <laughs> bedroom, and I, like, put a chair in here that doesn't really match the wall, but I just, like, needed a chair to sit down in. I love Anyways. it. I love it. Um uh, advice. What, what advice would you give to someone just starting out, your younger self, Dan and Joe? <laughs> well, I mean, I touched on it just a second ago, which was, I, I, at least for me, I noticed an extreme shift in the direction of my um, career, or whatever you want to call it, which was... The moment I realized I need to figure out like what I do and what I do best and who I am as a human being and find a way to bring that into a room is the second I started noticing like this shift happen and things starting to go in the direction that I wanted to go in. Because I think it's super easy too when you're like starting out to have these people or if you're like me who grew up, I mean, 
I grew up listening to cast albums and I would sing them. So I started to sound a little bit like Sutton Foster because that's all I would listen to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or then I would start listening to Idina Menzel. Or you, like you're listening to all these people. And for me, that was for and Dolly Parton and all these people. And so that's kind of how I started to, when you're starting out, you are saturating yourself in the material and everything you like. And it's really easy to start, you know, I don't know, morphing into the people that you admire. And I think yeah. the second that we start finding our own voice and finding what we have to bring to the table, and even though we're up against the same people, you know how you're always up against like the same people in a callback? Like it always ends mm-hmm. up being the same people. And sometimes they'll get it and you'll be like, oh yeah, well, I really like, I dug their outfit and they're super cool and they sound like this and like they're just like easy breezy and like cool, I'm going to be like them. And it was the second that I started to just own who I was and try to bring that into a room was when I realized, oh, that is the one thing that nobody is going to outdo me on or do better than me. Like no one is going to do me better than I'm going to do me. So I think my advice would be just like lean into who you are and like figure, you don't have to know, like we're ever evolving human beings, but figure out like what you can, like what you, or not what you can bring to the table, but what you enjoy bringing to the table and do it yeah figure out what problem you solve right joe that's it that's it we we're just talking about dan this. and i talk about this a lot we're trying to get to the bottom of it and we haven't got there yet but we're gonna figure well, it's, it out it's it's interesting because like you sometimes i don't know if you feel like you can definitely identify the things that you do differently than everyone else ali but it's almost just like giving over to something that you aren't controlling like just like letting go of ego of self and just yeah. like letting whatever happens happen is probably the direction to go in. Yeah. I mean, whatever, be like a tree and let the dead leaves drop. Right. I love that silly little quote, but it's yeah. so true. And it's like, whatever doesn't serve you, just like be done with it and be okay with the fact that things are only ever, sp- not everything's supposed to be in your life forever. I even think about that with, with love and I always talk about that with my husband I'm like really like do I believe that you are my soulmate yeah I do obviously I married you after a month of knowing you and we decided a week after but when it boils down to it we're just like these little atoms that are like making the constant choice every day to like hang on to one another and just soar through the world and whenever we you know and sometimes you're like wait you want to keep you want to keep attached? Okay, let's keep attached. And it's like, I think that's with anything in the world. Maybe it's kind of, it's kind of like the book Big Magic a little bit, right? It's like you have these little ideas and they're floating around and then they're gone. So just be okay with, it's always, always comes back to the here and now, right? And being in the moment and like whatever doesn't Mm -hmm. serve you in that moment, get rid of it. Whatever does serve you, lean into it. Mm. Yep. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> That's really good. Dan's I'm there. Dan's not in his head. I'm there. This is I'm good. There. This is there good. Is this is good. Um, and then my my favorite question, uh, the unreachable star question, which is basically, what are you? You've accomplished so much, but what are you pointed towards now? Is there something you'd really love to do? Um, something you'd like to, you know, something you'd like to do. You know, eat a sandwich. No, I'm kidding. Eat a sandwich, yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, kidding. like, honestly, that is, that's a, that's a really good Allie Luff answer. If I were to, like, 
like the fact that you're like to be in the here and now and all of the things that we've talked about for the last hour and then you're like you know what i want right now i'm down for a sandwich you know it says you know sandwich. some people are like i want to be in a marvel movie and it's like cool and other people are like i want to be you know I want to be a good mom and a good wife and a good husband, a good, you know, father, whatever. And then <laughs> Allie, Allie who, who married her husband. I do love that story <laughs> that, like, you guys knew each other for, like, barely no time at all. And you were like, nope, this is it. It's um, crazy. It's a very cool story. No, but truly, like, I think that that's the – but it, it is really – I like that you say the unreachable star because that's something my mom is so – she's so great about. She's always been like, okay – She's always a good check-in, right? She's always the person that's like, so, you know, you originated your first role. That was your, that was a goal, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay. So what's another goal? You got to keep setting those. You got to keep like, mm-hmm. and I think what I have to be better about is like being specific about them. Because mm-hmm. even as a kid, mm-hmm. I never said my dream is to be on Broadway. As a kid, my dream <laughs> Truly, as like a six-year-old, I would say, I just want to be a content working actor and be financially um, stable. I don't care if it's on Broadway. Like I knew I had the wherewithal (laughs) to be like, Broadway is not everything. Like I could be just as content doing, you know, regional theater. um, And, but I just want to be a consistent working actor. (laughs) Like, but I think it's important to be specific with goals. Like I can be specific about the sandwich I'm going to have for sure. So (laughs) why can't, you know, I, I do ultimately, I mean, I could say like the very broad answer of, I want to figure out this balance, continue figuring out this balance of life and theater and also this new medium that I'm into, this TV and film world and cultivating that. But especially with like the world we're in today and just the un just the fact that it's so unpredictable and there's nothing that reminds you of like everything is fleeting, the good and the bad, like it's all just fleeting. I think my unreachable star is to and what I've gained out of this last year and a half is to really prioritize my my personal life and the way that I make memories and little mm. things like this sounds so corny but seeing the stars at night like I realized I don't really want to live in New York City anymore and I've never thought I don't want that I never thought that I would say that but I've been in nature now for a year and a half and like finding that traveling around so I want to figure out how I can we just bought an RV by the way so I want Amazing. to try to figure out how I can live on the road and still do theater wherever I want to do theater, whether that's in New York or like Hey La Jolla, I would do, I would just live there and do theater there forever if you, you know, if you yeah. have me. Yeah. Or, you know, so I think that's the goal is like figuring out how I can take the what I've gained over the year and a half of personal life and travel and still maintain a super productive work life. Totally. And a Love sandwich. That. And if you ever <laughs> if you ever want to move to Westchester, I did the same thing. I'm not in the city anymore. Look, that's my backyard. I was There's looking at that. Side porch over there. Gorge. I don't live in the city. I, I, I got out. I it, it's a very far commute, but I couldn't do it either. And so uh I feel that. Yeah, well we pick up our RV on Friday. So <laughs> we're going to be focused on renovations and traveling around. Um, so we awesome. could definitely visit in Westchester. We could be I like, love it. And oh, cool. season two talks, do you know? 
There are certainly talks, but there is nothing. In you know, coming from the world of theater, I am never count my chickens before they hatch. I'm sure thing, so yeah. grateful. I I'm pinching myself that I'm like, whoa! I just did like an eight hour play. I just did right. Yeah, eight yeah, yeah, episodes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a full season. I looked at these scripts, and Matthew was like, "That's like an eight hour play." I was like, "It is. I just did an eight hour play." <laughs> so, um, I hope I get to do another eight hour play. That's for darn tootin' sure. That's so great. Oh my us gosh, too. us too, us too. Thanks, man. Allison Luff, thank you so Joe much. Carol. Dan Tracy. <laughs> Dan, Dan Tracy. Tracy, that's me. That's Joe it. Carol. Thanks for coming on our show thank and you for chatting, chatting with, with us and us. sharing. You know your... what I was gonna say? Just but what right. I was gonna say this at the beginning. You you may have been one of the the guests that we've been trying to get on here the longest because I think <sighs> that Dan and asked you like back when you guys were doing waitress, which was so long ago, and I'm so glad we finally got to make this happen. Me yeah. too. I wanted to do Me this too. forever. I'm sorry that it hasn't happened sooner, but this no. feels right. Listen, you were busy. We were excited. You were busy. Absolutely. We tried. I think we tried to catch you during filming, but we're so glad you're here now. We're so glad and, this worked uh, out. Me too. You're the best. Yeah. You're the best. I love you're y'all. This is really, really fun. <laughs> Good. I'm going to start a podcast now. Honestly, it's going to compete with your podcast. That's Will you guys so be fine. my guests? Yes, yes. <laughs> happily, happily, happily. Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Woo! We are hosted by Dan Tracy. That's you. And Joe Carroll. That's me. We're produced by Ryan Kincaid, and Matthew Mucha is the social content manager. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals, on Twitter at Musical Guys, or the old-fashioned way at www.guyswholikemusicals.com. If you'd like a chance to be featured on the Ask the Guys segment of our show, please call 203-900-7990 and leave a message with your question. As always, thanks for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.